0: All right, and welcome to the Stafford Beer Brain of the Firm uh, reading group with General Intellect Unit. We are doing session 18 today, uh, chapter 13. So let's just, since we're starting a new chapter, let's go back and look at what the intro is at the beginning of this section. Uh, So Beer says... um, But in chapters 13 and 14, the reading experience is likely to be very different. They deal with systems 4 and 5 respectively, and in both cases I am proposing very novel ways of interpreting the cybernetics of the model in terms of the firm. There is good reason for this. In most firms, system 4 is a fiasco because it is not recognized for what it is or what it should be doing and because the capabilities of management science and the available computing technology are not understood. So I have invented this version of a company system for as guided by the model. The examples given are exceedingly simple, but they actually work. Simple or not, they have proved to enrich the understanding of those few who've actually used them. Uh, So we're going to get into that a little bit about how... Uh, the activities of System 4 are misunderstood. Uh, So uh, we'll start out uh, Chapter 13, Environments of Decision, System 4. Uh, So this is uh, Notes on the Context of System 4. We have set up the three-tier autonomic system intended to maintain a homeostatic internal balance and even to optimize performance within an accepted framework and under established criteria. The successful operation of that autonomic system is dependent inter alia on a steady stream of appropriate instructions descending the central command axis from system five. The environment for decision at this top level, then, includes representation of the autonomic condition, together with filtered information ascending the central axis. Both sorts of input to System 5 are mediated by System 3, but as we have seen, they are switched by System 4. Yet, there is a second major component of input to top-level decisions, information about the environment set by the outside world the total environment of the organism that is the firm. All indications of relevance here are collected by system four as direct input from the outside world, and they too are switched into system five. So uh, system four here is doing switching between uh, system five, a direct holistic understanding of the external environment, and system three. Uh, are there any sort of comments or thoughts about this uh, initial description of System Four, uh, Shane? Go ahead.
1: I find this um, this is a very sort of interesting thing where it's, it's it, you have uh, so far we have uh, the internal um, corporate sort of the autonomic conditions, and that's this this like kind of hermetic almost sealed environment that's uh, internal it's all of itself, and then you have this other layer that is folding in information about the outside. And so the firm has to also admit that, like, while it has a sense of selfhood, it also must allow the outside in to... um, It it, it has to keep this, like, porous boundary so that it can permit information about the outside to enter so that it can, like, fold in this, like, predictive loop and uh, and come to balance with the exterior. and that's that's all quite interesting here and it's interesting that they're split in different levels right that like the part that is responsible for maintaining the internal homeostasis is not the part that's concerned with folding with the outside there there's a, there's a split of functions
0: right uh the um so the uh, uh System 3 is taking in uh, information about uh, the environment uh, from the System 1s in their kind of like uh, departmental or uh, particular uh, understanding. And then it also gets information sent down from System 4 about a holistic sort of view of the uh, environment. All right. Um... And I think we can see here why uh, system four is is referred to as the biggest switch, because it's switching system three, system five, and also the uh, the external environment. Uh, There's a lot of switching going on here. All right, so uh, these remarks are so far a commentary upon the elementary mechanism depicted as activating system four in figure 27. The time has now come to elaborate this story, which we cannot do, as in the case of the lower level systems, simply by enlarging the box labeled System 4 and taking a closer look at its contents. In the first place, we have already stated the key features, but secondly, the way in which the switching is undertaken on behalf of the higher management which this system serves varies enormously. One possible approach to the design of the practical operation of this biggest switch is the topic of the rest of this chapter. But first, let us examine the context within System 5 of the System 4 design we must undertake. So we're, we're examining the context of design from the perspective of System 5. In figure 33 may be observed a simple enlargement of the box labeled System 4, which is the development directorate of the firm and its connections with System 3. But System 5 is now depicted in a new way, a way determined from the System 4 standpoint. So this seems to be kind of the opposite of what Beer said in the the er earlier paragraph. Uh, let's examine the context within System 5 of the System 4 design. Oh, I see. So, okay, so it's the System 4 perspective on System 5, not the other way around. It will be noted at once that a perspective drawing of the box label System 5 has been substituted for the familiar planar diagram. All the ascending information assembled and switched within System 4 is being registered in a sensorium, while the descending information is originated by a motor cortex. This is a brain-like figure, and is worth comparing with figure 7, where, long ago, we first met the anastomotic reticulum. Now, both the sensory and the motor representations of the real world in System 5 are generated by the activities of System 4. And the meaning of the irregular figure twice reproduced in the organizational box is precisely that it constitutes a representation of the same irregular figure in the external world. Were it not so, the organism would be in a state of hallucination. Its account of the world outside and its account of its own attempt to match that world must both actually coincide with it to a significant extent. Otherwise, the organism has gone mad. Uh, So in figure 33, we see uh, the external world uh, represented as this kind of irregular amoeba-like shape. Uh, And then in the system five box, uh, we see on the one hand, Uh, The sensory uh, Plate so to speak which is a Representation of that uh, Connected by an anastomotic Reticulum to the motor plate which is Also a representation of the external World so it's sort of like what Is my situation how Am I acting in that situation Uh, Is what being is Being described here Uh, any thoughts On this section Uh, Jake H and then Shane
2: Yeah I think you know, when I first read this chapter, I thought I was like, okay, I kind of get what System 4 is a bit more like he explains like an actual, like he's an actual example the cyber, like super control room future thing. Um, but then this, and so I thought, so System 4 is supposed to have like a representation of the, the, the whole corporation as well as the whole, as well as like sort of the outside world that's interacting with it, but this, is making it seem as though system five has that unless it's, or, or is it saying that like system four is what builds that and like, therefore has that also, but system five gets that from system four. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it a bit, but. Um, so I, I think it may be,
0: uh, yeah, it may be the case that uh, the circle that is depicted within that external world diagram uh, in the system five box could represent the uh, organism. Uh, because you see the, 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 the sort of ellipsis inside the system four box here <clears throat> is the model of the organization and then that's kind of transposed onto the, the irregular figure at the top. So I I think that that's included in the the in the model that System Five has. Um, okay, so uh, let's go on to Shane, then Jeremy,
1: then Steve. Yeah, I think it's it's um, it, it's it's the sensory motor correlation all the way down, right? It's it's this 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 repeated pattern of this anastomotic reticulum is the the sort of um, atomic unit that all of this stuff is made up of. And it, it, I think what's going on there is that like it's system five, so like system four is integrating this like full model and predictive model of possible, like the the approximate current state of the system, approximate current state of the external world and uh, a selection of branching possibilities for future action. And I think what system five is doing is it, it's the identity function, right? It's the, it's the thing that provides constancy. And I think what system five does is it selects acceptable future states um, and is, because uh, you can kind of see it in the little diagram, right? Like the the sensory plate, it's, it's amoeba-like blob is slightly different from the one on the motor plate. And you can almost think of the motor one as being, I would like the world to transform in this way, please. So we given, given this situation, what would I, as an I, as an identity, what would I consider to be an acceptable um, next state? Um, and that's the kind of the, the highest level of steerage. Um, so, System Four is doing this big juggling plate spinning act to keep all this this shit going, so that the the board essentially, right, the System Five thing can receive an update about what's going on and decide on what what action it would find acceptable. Um, and uh, like this is like consummate kind of state of like what what would I find satisfactory about the next uh, development of things?
0: Right, <clears throat> that is the executive function uh, that it's undertaking. Um, Jeremy, go ahead.
3: So I was talking to Joe Truss about this, who worked with Stafford a lot. And Joe was saying that Stafford was never happy with a planar diagram for the VSM and that he and Joe for decades tried to create a three dimensional depiction of the viable system model And just were both bogged down from their own lack of understanding of deep geometry. And I think Joe's own particular take on things is very Fuller-esque and trying to use Fuller's geometry. And they just never really got a good depiction. But it should be noted that Stafford never liked the two-dimensional depiction of the VSM, always thought it was inaccurate, and was constantly hoping that they could come up with a three-dimensional model that was satisfactory. I think it was very disappointing to Stafford that they never did.
0: Uh, So what, um, I think we've seen a couple times how this sort of came up, but uh, what do you suppose uh, would have been the third dimension that would be relevant to uh, System 4 here.
3: So, um, in a lot of the diagram, there are connections that are crossing each other that aren't supposed to be crossing each other, and um, by projecting it into the plane, there's not a lot of degrees of freedom. And um, they wanted it so that the connections and the nodes wouldn't intersect with each other unless it was deliberate that that's what they were trying to do. I mean, I, it, what reminds me of that fact is just the cube for System 5 mm-hmm. being depicted when the reality was that Stafford just wanted the whole thing to be three-dimensional. And I, me and Joe argue about this a lot when I talk to him. I say, why stop at three dimensions? Mm-hmm. And he laughs, and he's like, because only you would understand that,
0: Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> right, the uh, the hypercube VSM. Uh...
3: We have these conversations about geometry, and I'm just like, why are you stuck in Euclidean geometry? Why are you stuck in three dimensions? He's like, because I don't understand the other stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, yeah, I look forward to the nth-dimensional uh, mm-hmm. VSM of the future. Uh, Steve, go ahead, and then Matt.
4: Um, yeah, and just a quick response to that before I say what I was originally going to say. I mean, he gets into it at the end of the chapter, right, in terms of the animated diagram. And, like, it seems like so much of it would be more elucidated just by that animated uh, dynamic diagram more than necessarily a third, you know, spatial dim- dimension. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see that. It's, he's clearly... Well, I don't know how much to the extent it was done with Cybersyn because, you know, computer graphics aren't, weren't what they are now. <laughs> but, um, you know, it feels like as we go through this, so much of a like trace the information as it flows through the system would elucidate this so much more than almost any other like spatial reconfiguration of it. Can, um, can I
3: respond to that? Uh, Sure. Um, So the section at the end of this chapter where he talks about the war room is some of my favorite stuff in the entire book. Mm. And if I had the funding, I would create something along the lines of, like, a World of Warcraft universe Mm. that does that. Mm. Like, I really think that they couldn't have dreamed of an immersive MMORPG but that th- an MMORPG immersively does about 70% of what Stafford wants to do with his war room mm-hmm. and then it would just have to be tweaked to be the kind of war room people would want I also think if I were to sell my soul to the devil <laughs> tech bro CEO billionaires would Salivate over the idea of the kind of control room that could be created with our technology and Stafford's ideas. Um, and maybe you'd get this sort of like escalating penis envy of different <laughs> tech bro CEOs being like, well, he has that. Why can't I have that kind of thing? Um, but just, and also Wired Magazine would do some gushing, fawning, idiotic pay on to this saying this is the way that corporations will be managed in the future without understanding fuck all about it but um, I just sort of have this fantasy about creating enough of these sort of war rooms by coding that as if they were like Starcraft games or something to make it something that, that people would use you know I mean, maybe you could sell that to the MIT Media Lab with enough pedophile money, you could make it happen, you know? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for <laughs> someone <laughs> who... Uh, sorry, I don't have headphones meeting, um, mm-hmm. um Yeah, for someone who writes uh, software for Mission Control here in Houston um, and is looking to, like, extend, extend that concept to different industries. If you have your VC salivating, uh, tech bro people, <laughs> let me, let me know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, so just to get back to the, the original point, um, cause I think, you know, the mission control room thing is something we'll certainly talk about later in the chapter. Um, what I found interesting about like the figure 33, um, is that, you know, I had this conception that system five was, you know, it was the brain, right? It was the real smarts that was going on here. Um, but I, I like the idea that it's actually kind of re- removed. It's one step removed, right? System five has this idealized version of what the world is going to do and what they want to see happen. But system four has the unlucky job of dealing with, well, you know, the real world isn't behaving accordingly and people are screaming at me from down below. And I also have my directive of what not what the the board is telling me nominally should be happening and system 4 has to reconcile all of that information into an actually actual goal plan. Um I mean it's a little homunculus based in that like okay now we're at system 4 and system 4 has to deal with reconciling everything. And I feel like we're kind of chasing that in various times that you know we keep getting in like each part becomes oh this is where everything has to come together and and actually be reconciled but um, that might just be the sort of general hierarchical nature of it because it really does seem like system four is at the fundamental intersection of reconciling all of the competing objectives and constraints to really see what the system, to really be able to execute the system five plan in a way that makes everybody happy, um, or at least as much as possible.
0: Right. Um, definitely, uh, I, I was just going to say regarding this idea of uh, online uh, w- uh, war room of the sort that uh, Beer's describing, uh, you know, it just makes you think of, like, Star Trek Bridge Commander, right? Uh, that's VR, uh, very similar kind of situation, just, you know, you need to change it from being, like, a starship, command situation to to something more like what beer described But basically the the basics of representation and functionality are all there uh anyway um matt
5: and then rudy yeah uh, um uh what's it um, yeah the uh, the the 2d vsf models like i always you know i i get very lost in them and uh, they're, they're, they're so busy and uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, and I, I think actually, yeah, like um, animation or um, a level of interactivity, I think would be, yeah, would, would be the way to do it, just because, like, yeah, m- my understanding was from like visual perception studies is that like, you know, um, uh, 3D models actually often um are you know are 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 pretty hard for people to to process, and so like it's usually better, and you know, y- even using kind of Stafford Zona uh, um ideas of a uh, you know like you know you should only be kind of keeping track of like you know uh, three to seven things. Well, I mean, he didn't discover that, but you know it's <laughs> keep that in mind is definitely like one of his uh, hobby horses. Is uh, um, you know, I, I think that that's worth keeping in mind. So, like, any given pain, you know, like, should only have like you know, you know, uh, five to, five to seven like moving parts, and like you know, so you could see like a, a whole you know, um, a uh, five point VSM and then you know, like, a uh, click on uh, system four and then you know, see like more connections and stuff like to other things. And uh, uh but I, I think I think that would be like a um, a less overwhelming way to like explore it. Um, and also just just r- 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 random thoughts, I think I'm um, um, getting the vibe that like system four is kind of like the highest level of um, management. And then, you know, well, system five is is um, sovereignty, you know, like and so in Stafford's case, it's a it's a corporate board. Well, you know, uh, in uh, in Chile, it became, uh, uh, you know, it became the people.
0: Right. Uh, yes. Uh, as, as Shane described earlier, it's, it's kind of the identity function. So it, it does make sense uh, that, yeah, it could be the people because uh, there is an identity there. Um, now let's go to Rudy uh, and then to Shane.
2: You know, I'm just wondering because I remember Jeremy said a few weeks ago, that System 4 was the most likely to collapse. And I think here we're identifying like where the core of the BSM is, because if, it, if it's the most likely to collapse, and like Steve is saying, it's where it has to do all the switching, this is the one that's going to require the actual careful design and where most people fail to do properly.
0: Yeah, it's the most likely to collapse, and it's also the most likely, according to Beer, to just be completely misunderstood and poorly articulated. Like, he seems to say that it's, in most organizations, the existence of System 4 is largely implicit. Uh, And when when there are attempts to formalize it, it's uh, a complete disaster because it's misunderstood what it's supposed to do. So I think that contributes even more to its uh, propensity to collapse because uh, people don't even understand what it is. Uh, Now, uh, uh, Shane, uh, go ahead.
1: I'm just going to throw it out there that maybe we could think of system four as the mind and system five as the subject. The, the, the self-identified languaging subject. So that there's there's a lot of like cognitive activity that's going on that the subject isn't aware of. And in some sense, the, the brain mind system is presenting the subject with a menu of options to choose from. And then the subject is deciding what, which of those options it finds the most sort of uh, identifiable or like um, the ones that it, it, it prefers, right? Like, um, so I think, yeah, system four is where I'll, pretty much all of the action is, like a lot of the real narrowly sort of cognitive computational action is going on there. And this, the subject is a kind of gloss over the top that like holds together an identity by expressing a preference over time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I can sort of see a way in which that makes sense to me because, um, you know, in meditation, they talk about how the mind has an inherent propensity towards busyness and uh, overactivity. And you can understand if if, you know, system four is analogous to the mind uh, and it is the biggest switch, how it would have a propensity to overactivity because it's switching so many things at once and. Uh, but uh that I mean yeah, that's an interesting point. Um I, yeah, I mean I can see descriptive value to that for sure. Uh, okay. Uh let's let's continue reading. Um Next, the nature of the connection between the sensory and motor halves of the brain is the same as we met in figures 25 and 26, which ought now to be consulted. Okay, go back and look at 25, 26. There's 26, which was the... uh, 26 was the way in which the the, uh, two points can... Uh, develop uh, homeostasis between each other by way of learning Uh, so that was the the sort of uh, homeostasis problem that Ashby came up with and then Beer found a better solution to and then 25 is the uh, corporate management uh, with the Uh, continuous compatibility over all six couplings of four major areas of concern, internal sensory events, internal motor events, external sensory events, and external motor events. And so these all have to be reciprocally coupled to each other. Uh, So Beer is saying – the nature of the connection between the sensory and motor halves of the brain is the same as what we met in twenty-five and twenty-six. So, that those two plates in the in that three uh, D cube at the top of Figure thirty-three uh, should be sort of reciprocally connected to each other uh, in the way that uh, you see in in Figure twenty-five and twenty-six. <clears throat> At last, the story of the central command axis is complete. We have closed the homeostatic loop between sensation and action, between affect and effect. Here at the the very highest organizational level is the firm's final attempt to say that what it does is derived from what it knows. And that both halves of this homeostat Jointly constitute a mechanism For surviving in an outside world Which it understands And with which it interacts So there's a sense in which um, There is that kind of like Reciprocal understanding Between uh, The sensorium and the motor plate, right? Uh, And that kind of like reciprocal or that reciprocity uh, between the two is really what closes the loop uh, between action and understanding. And that's what uh, constitutes the identity of the organization, um And uh, he also says it is the uh, closure of the loop between affect and effect. So theres' not simply a kind of like cognitive understanding, there's also the emotive component of uh, this dynamic as well, uh, which I think, mostly came up in the discussion of uh, system four's uh, parasympathetic function uh, prior to this, uh, where uh, system three. Yeah, system three. Sorry. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. Is that? uh, I just remember that. that? I remember that section that was about how uh, the parasympathetic system could uh, condition The whole organism Through the use of sort of Emotional states mm-hmm. Right and I don't remember if that Was located in four or in Three Are you thinking of like the kind of hormone
1: flood sort of thing Of like, Yes yes okay. yes I think that's a three That's a three thing okay, uh, okay. Maybe I guess, I guess because, it's, because it's related to internal State It's, it's tuning the internal tension or whatever whatever term he used to refer to that sort of thing the toning or whatever it was the toning yes that's that's an internal thing which i think would be under the system 3 purview now as as to which kind of toning to do next system 4 and 5 would have a say in that but i think system 3 would be the one to implement it
0: yeah yeah no that's correct uh, I was just trying to look up the section where that was discussed, I think which was in uh, around page 130.
1: Are you thinking of the top of page 132, about like the flow of adrenaline? Uh, I don't think it's exactly that passage, so... I think that's the thing that comes up a couple of times, especially in the early chapters, when he's talking about like, the physiological stuff. Yeah. Actually, the previous chapter. Uh, 110 or so. Okay. The two masters thing, the double bind. 110, 111. Adrenergic and cholinergic stuff. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well.
0: I think it's a system three thing, as you said. I just wanted to check that. Uh, I'll have a look and see if I can find that passage about the tone of the system uh, again uh, in between uh, sessions. Uh, but anyway, that's not the, the core of what we're discussing here. Uh, so um, uh, yes, so the closure of the loop, that, that that's something that's happening. Uh, So he says, uh, this puts the process of effective corporate planning in its true light. System 5 attempts at all times, with the service of System 4, to adjust its output to to its latest input. And, of course, to the prognosis of change which the input sensorium is able to generate by rapid time simulation, which is called foresight, in other parts of the cortex. But this is a topic for the next chapter, when the more subtle forms of System 5 behavior are discussed. We need to remember here, however, that a corporate plan must continuously abort, for unless the plan is continuously aborting, how shall sanity, the match between the world and the firm's notion of it, be preserved? Apart from this, we need only to note the existence of one further mechanism. It is the one which we have kept in mind throughout these hierarchic discussion, uh, descriptions. I mean the algodonic input, which has special channels of its own uh, depicted by the dotted line ascending from System 3. We observe a second arousal filter in System 4, which incorporates the new uh, external information in the ascending stream. And we also observe in the wandering arrow what amounts to a potential danger signal waiting to pounce on the smooth operations of the sensory motor homeostat. So I, I think essentially what he's talking about with this uh, AF2 is that the information that system uh, four collects from the external world is uh, incorporated into that algodonic, uh, uh, sorry, uh, effective filter, right? Um, and that wandering line, the little like bump in the line is like the potential emergency signal from the outside that can be added into that information that's going up that dotted line. <clears throat> Uh, okay, so let's go to uh, Jeremy and then Steve.
3: Oh, here we go. Stafford was really sensitive to arguments that central planning was basically Stalinism. And so his argument that abort, constantly aborting, he'll often couple that with five year plans and say five-year plans are totally insane because there's no way to abort them during the five years um, and that they should be aborting constantly. Uh, so, you know, S- Stafford's relationship with actually existing socialism is complicated. Um, I think he would regard himself as like your sort of European social Democrat, but he is not critical of Marx at all. Like when he brings up Marx, it's usually very complimentary, you know? Um, and he is very nuanced about it, but I'm sure he looked at Soviet era planning and saw it as a clusterfuck disaster. Cause it was he would say it was bad cybernetics and it was bad cybernetics, you know, but, um, Especially, I mean, considering at the time that he's writing, there's a real, he's writing this kind of at the end of Keynesianism, as Keynesianism is unable to deal with the contradictions of the oil crisis and other shit that it was dealing with in the 70s, stagflation and things like that. And he very much wants planning, But his version of planning is going to be very different than the planning that people would naturally associate with the USSR and China. Um, So he really in this is trying to tell you by coming up with the motto, abort often, that is the way to plan. To have plans that are guaranteed to abort over and over and over and over again. You know, it's a lot like iterations in Agile methodology. But his idea is that you can, like, pull the Kanban plug at any time. You know, there's a lot of this. You know, people pair Stafford with Deming, who was a U.S. economist sent to post-war Japan to plan their economy and Deming had a lot to do with what ended up becoming called the Toyota way. And so I think it's a worthwhile exercise I have no time to do to read Deming's books and see how they compare to Stafford because he gets compared to Deming a lot.
0: Yeah, I read uh, some things about Deming's work in Japan during my uh, master's thesis because I was studying that kind of stuff. Uh, but I don't... I've never gotten into Deming's work to the same degree of detail as we're examining beer here. Um, it, you know, I, I've been to a Toyota factory. <laughs> I've seen how the thing works. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's about the extent of my experience. Uh, uh, but I think that... Um, the way that that sort of principle of continuous abortion uh, it was maybe interpreted at Toyota was with their principle of uh, what's called uh, uh, Kaizen. Uh, so it basically just means continuous improvement. Um, and uh, it, it has to do with the fact that, like, yeah, uh, the knowledge on the shop floor uh, should be utilized to continuously improve the process.
4: Uh, uh, so, uh, Steve, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I was wondering why, like using the phrase or using abort as opposed to like adapt, you know, I wonder if that has more to do with the sort of political maneuvering he's doing in the, in the way that, um, jeremy's referring to but yeah i mean that also makes me think especially what you just said kyle like um you know what seems like it, and then put this in the comments like well we talked about the analogy of git being system two or having a system two role you know it seems like the agile sprint where you can do that iteration and adapt accordingly while still trying to satisfy the ultimate customer goals is really what like the role of system four like it seems to be in an analogous uh, situation, um, but my my point of uh, that I wanted to just t- t- talk about um, is really more of a question. Like with Figure Thirty Two mm-hmm. from uh, System Three, um, you know, clearly System or Figure Thirty Two and Figure Thirty Three could be superimposed on each other uh, fully. Like, mm-hmm. like, a few times that actually happens in this book. But, um, you know, you can stack them on top of each other. But the difference between the PQRS system, which also seems to, well, which seems to be like trying to reconcile the lower levels of, of the system versus the ellipse in the System 4 box in Figure 33, which is trying to deal with the external world. Like, I feel like there's I'm not completely 100% certain the distinctions that are going on here mm. um, and I just wanted I don't know, I just wanted to, to see if people had ideas on like wh- what the distinctions are between, between okay. this, I mean, maybe the system 3 3P- PQRS is coming from Lower levels and four is coming from the environment. But it, it seems like the ellipse and the four box could also be a PQRS type system, but you know, it's not. So why not?
0: <laughs> uh, right. So um, I would say that one distinction that kind of jumps out to me right away is that the relationship between the ellipse in uh, figure 33. Uh, and the arousal filter 2 is not as rich as the relationship between the PQRS box and system 2. Uh, you know, there's information from system 4, uh, sorry sorry from the ellipse, uh, from the external world's information gathering that is going into the arousal filter, uh, but it's not really quite the same as that kind of uh, continuous uh, interrogation and uh, reception of information from System 2, which is being conditioned by the the CRC. Like, I, I sense... I get the, the picture that that is, like, a much more kind of um rich uh understanding that exists there whereas the arousal filter is kind of meant to be something that's very like uh you know terse right like what's the like is there an emergency what's the emergency right whereas i feel like the system 2 connection has a lot more information going through it um now, uh, we also don't have a system three-star analog happening in uh, system four. There is no system four-star, right? Uh, there's the arrow going down, but that, that corresponds to that central spinal column in figure 32, right? It doesn't correspond to uh, the uh, system three-star, the AG function, Uh, So I believe that, uh, according to the description that goes later in this chapter, uh, system four can request further information, but it's not going to actually request audits because it's not meant to deal with that level of detail. Uh, he says that that's kind of a a waste of time for system four. It shouldn't be engaged with auditing, um, so those are two things that I think point out to me or that, that jump out to me is like these these side channels that you see in system three are not really present in system four. Uh, and, and of course, then system four has the relationship to the outside world, which is something that the PQRS system doesn't have. Uh, OK, so other thoughts uh,
1: go to Shane yeah I think the inside outside distinction is probably the more important one so like I mean these these are similar because they're all dynamic servo mechanisms like that's that's the general pattern like the servo mechanism mechanism is the the electron of this of this physics right um, system three gets to control and even command the internal mechanisms, but system four doesn't get to do the same thing with the outside the system four is confronted with something that is not itself. It is it, it is it is staring into the abyssal horror of an external environment that it has realistically very little control over. So the, the organism has control over itself to some degree, but it, is, it has much less control over its environment. And System 4 is kind of tasked with something quite different. It's it's Even its way of interrogating the environment is going to be quite different from the audit that System 3 is going to do because... The System 1 units are related to System 3 in a way in which they are obligated to respond to those audits. But the external environment is in no obligation to conform to the organism's expectations whatsoever. There is something radically exterior about all that stuff. And then, yeah, then System 4 has to do this wild plate-spinning juggling act to keep all of this stuff in check against a uh, potentially hostile Potentially quite chaotic external environment uh, that it that it just doesn't it just doesn't have a steering wheel it can grab and, and turn uh, it, it can it can steer but at a meta level right like this the whole point of this like higher control intelligence thing is to steer the organism through the environment but there's no steering wheel on which you can just grab and turn the environment
0: right uh, yeah definitely um, it, it's uh... I mean, I think we're going to get into this a bit more when we look at the the sort of proto-cybersyn example that that comes up later.
1: Uh, one one more thing that I forgot actually, the the, the reason I put up the hand uh, before, but um, on the planning thing, I kind of get the impression. I'm, I'm not totally sure where I got this impression, but I think with the m- the abortive plans thing, I kind of get think that like what Stafford is trying to get us to do is to have like multiple and contingent overlapping plans, and to like bomb out of the ones that don't seem to be working because i think for, for any given scenario and any given trajectory there are multiple plans that would account for the trajectory and you have to do this like dynamic uh adaptive sort of thing of like kind of i guess the way the similar to the way the sensory system works overall right that there's these kind of multiple hierarchies of uh uh contingent sort of sensations and like you know, the, the the organism sort of projects an expectation of the scene as so it, it it thinks it's going to see, but then it sees a green cup instead of a red one and has to update the thing. So you've you've got kind of it's kind of like a let a million plans bloom sort of thing. You have these overlapping virtual plans that get concretized as as they move. And I think the the, the word abort is important instead rather than update or or like adapt because, like you know, adapting a plan, you think it, it sort of suggests more that you're going to keep the plan you have and make. Reforms to it, rather than like kind of dynamically obliterate and switch out plans and make make radical adjustments.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a point of emphasis, right? That as you're saying, if it's adapting the plan, that kind of implies that there's like some kind of original validity to the plan, and it just needs to be modified. But aborting the plan is like, oh no, we we misunderstood the situation. Like, we need a different plan. Uh, So just, I don't know, like, as Jeremy was saying, like, it might be a point of contradistinction with the five-year plan method that, like, yeah, the five-year plan could be uh, adapted. And in fact, it was constantly being adapted because, you know, five-year planning was untenable. Uh, But um, there was a sort of authority to it. That was, I guess, like a kind of, uh, you know, like sort of Zizekian ideology function that's like, you know, even like even like even though, uh, you know, the actual father you have is uh, kind of ridiculous and and failing all the time. And, you know, uh, not really on top of things, uh, you still have like this patriarchal function uh, there's like the ideal father that still must be respected even if your actual father is a complete mess uh, and, and I think that with this sort of abortive approach it's
1: like well no maybe that person just doesn't need to be in charge uh, yeah and like with the Soviet Union I mean, even when we look at that stuff with Tom right like it's, it's that they did update their plans, but what the, updating them just meant them sp- made the plans spiral further and further away from reality. Like, there was, yeah. like dynamic adjustment is actually not enough. You have to have like a kind of reality test and a sort of uh, ab- ability and willingness to just throw the shit out instead of like, well, you know, <laughs> Comrade Stalin said this is going to this is how it's going to be, so I'm going to draw a line under this thing instead, and, and like that's just going to make it fucking spiral out of control, which it did, you know um, predictably.
0: Great. Uh, okay. So, uh, Jake and then Jeremy.
2: Yeah, I was actually going to say a pretty similar thing to what, uh, Shane just said, but, um, yeah, I think the key with like a board is also like a board versus like adapt, that kind of distinction is that like, it's the system, like the lower systems can adapt to like what's happening, like within the firm. But then when you get to system four, it's, it's it's supposed to be a plan of the whole system. It's supposed to be a view of the whole system. And so there is no point in trying to make those micro adjustments from the very top. Like that's just sort of the thing that Peter you know, keeps talking about, it, like avoiding that like micromanaging manager. And so it's like, yeah, sure, you could try to adapt like the plan that you have when, you know, you find out that the material you need for this one system one is actually not available or cheaper or, or like I don't uh can be replaced by some more advanced thing, more advanced technology. But it makes much more sense to take in that new information, like like you just said, and and then formulate an entirely new plan because the reality that you're operating is is different. And so, yeah, I, I do like that distinction. I think it definitely like does matter. And yeah, a lot of what I said was you just said it. So, I, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Jeremy, go ahead.
3: I, 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 for all you Soviet history nerds um, There was a movement Called the Stachonovite Movement in during Peak Stalinism Where there was a guy name was Alexei Stachonov Who was a miner And he just made Something insane like 300 Times his quota And became like a hero of Socialist labor And it became a thing where the stalinist party was said workers should be like alexei stakhanov and there should be prizes for people who completely decimate their quotas and come up with multipliers of their quotas and they had special medals for these people and they were celebrated stakhanov ended up becoming this big celebrity in the soviet union under stalinism and it's just fucking perverse. And it. I don't think f- Stalinism had a way of t- of evaluating whether Stachonovism was the right approach. I mean, they absolutely were like, full steam ahead, do more stachonavism. But I think it's something that any system should regard as a deep pathology. And Stafford is really pushing in a different direction. I think that's like part of, uh, you know, you don't have a five year plan without people, without valorizing people like Stakhanov. It's like they go together, you know, and, you know, maybe Stakhanov was a decent dude, who knows, but it's not, it's not the the path doesn't happen because individuals perform superhuman efforts that's not even communism if anyone cares you know
0: yeah so uh that really went along with this idea of uh exceeding the quotas of the five year plan like uh you know which a lot of this stuff just had, like, a legitimacy or propaganda function, right? Where it's like, <laughs> nice, uh, Jeremy is currently holding up a Soviet medal. Uh, is it the the hero of socialist labor? Yeah. Okay, excellent, great. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, you know, they, they had this idea that like we want to continuously exceed our quotas because we're just like we're doing so awesome that it's even better than we expected. Uh, and like, you know, we're we've we've entered into this new age of history that where where the limits of what was conceivable are just like continuously being pushed out. To the boundaries of of, of what is uh, thought of, and so there was a lot of like this led to a lot of sort of like fraud uh, about what actual output was, um, and it also led to ultimately a lot of overproduction of things like steel, right? Um, and so it, it, there was. <sighs> there was really hardly any understanding of the notion of homeostasis within the Soviet planning apparatus. Like, it just wasn't in their conceptual framework because the material balances planning method, it was essentially like we set material targets and then just figure out how to reach them. It's not really... There is no sort of like, uh, it's kind of like you have a motor plate without much of a sensory plate at all. And these things should continuously be out of balance. Like that was the ideal that they were going for is that the motor plate should always be exaggerated beyond the sensory plate. Um, and which is, you know, uh, obvious recipe for exhaustion, um, uh, which you know, stachanivism is basically like crunch culture, right? It, it, the and and the the uh, culture of storming uh, to meet quotas uh, in the Soviet Union is pretty analogous to crunch culture in capitalism. Uh, st- uh, Shane, go ahead.
1: So all of that like is. Um it all bears, like it's acceleration, right? Like this is the accelerationist critique of the Soviet Union or whatever, that it ended up being the same dynamic, which makes it look like acceleration is just the fucking engine of the universe or whatever. Um, and you're right, because it, it is a, it's a motor without senses in, in so many ways, right? And we observe the same thing in capitalist bourgeois culture, right? That there's, there's plenty of motor activity, but the sensorium is repressed, that there's there's data that's not allowed to ever enter into the the equation. Like there's there's things like, well, you're just destroying the fucking environment. Like, and you, you, all all of you, including the fucking rich ones, will be dead within a hundred years. But that's like, no, 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 no. Forget about that. That's not that's not going into the plan. No, no, no. And if you have that kind of unbalanced. Uh, um, escalation loop, you get this ratchet effect. That's, that's the acceleration part, right? But like, it's a, it's a thing that only ever goes up. Like the, the material balances are just targets that go up and up and up. Capital is a thing that goes up and up and up. There's never a point where it goes up and then dip it down a bit, up and down, up and down, the way a thermostat or a homeostat would work. It's a deliberately broken homeostat that gives rise to a, an, an explosive escalation ratchet, um, which sounds like a good deal if you're Elon Musk for in the short term. But in the, even the medium term, it just fucking obliterates the possibility of your own existence. It did it to the Soviet Union. It's going to do it to fucking bourgeois culture over here, too.
0: Right. Uh, you know, again, which is sort of why so many uh, capitalist states are really struggling to come with, to grips with the idea of like, covid <laughs> right it's just like oh we need a sensory plate <laughs> oh we need to we need to do something other than increase production okay uh yeah all right uh okay so uh how are we doing for time here uh we are
1: right about an hour i think
0: uh here we go yeah that's correct Um, So uh, let's do one more section and then we'll wrap it for today. So notes on the corporate model in system four. Remember that there is always a system four, even if it is not identified in quite the form specified here. It will always be found as that set of activities may be disseminated, which feeds the highest level of decision making. We may then say that System 4 must contain a model, some model of the corporation. There is no doubt also that this model may be disseminated in separate chunks of cognition around the firm, rather than being cohesive and well-formulated. Certainly, no one may think of it or refer to it as a model, but it must be there. If it were not, the senior management would have no idea what sort of firm they were running. Their idea of the firm, to put the matter in its least scientific terms, would be this model. Let us try to make a more scientific version of such a model explicit in a diagrammatic form which would be recognizable to a businessman. Suppose a corporation intends to set up a new company as a subsidiary. The sources of capital are twofold. Money may be available from the corporate surplus, which is to say from the profits of other companies within the corporation. Secondly, money may be obtained by borrowing. The new firm will process this capital input according to its commercial plans and produce two kinds of output, earnings and depreciation. Between them, they constitute the cash flow of the new company over any given epoch. This is in turn divided into three tax, the dividend uh, payable to shareholders, and capital usable by the corporation for other purposes. Again, still simply, this latter resource has two sinks, reinvestment in the new firm itself, and money apportioned to other corporate needs. All of this is shown in figure 34, where time is unfolding from left to right. The little diagram shown in figure 34 is of a kind often represented to businessmen by their advisors. But what happens to this corporate model at the end of the first epoch, when reinvestment occurs? The diagram we have been given is no longer of any use, because the reinvestment itself has run off the page on the right-hand side. Thus, it is that the picture has to be redrawn for a second epoch, for there is a new input on the left, the assets generated by reinvestment. And indeed, as the new business settles down into some kind of equilibrial uh, behavior over the years, uh, yet a third diagram will be needed. In this, most of the input will derive from the output, or it should be be the previous output uh, is, is what is meant there. All this means to say that we do not have a very effective corporate model. The three pictures are satisfactory as far as they go, but clearly they do not represent the total dynamic of the business. If they did, there would be no need to reconstitute the entire picture every time the business changed its habits as a consequence of its growth towards maturity. We can immediately do better if we consider the firm as an adaptive system. Reinvestment is now a feedback loop operating on a time cycle which may be studied in terms of the control engineering concepts put forward in Chapter 2. A decision to reinvest passes around the system as a blip. It is a step function. The lagged return on this investment is a smooth function over time generated by the total behavior of the business, which may now be considered as a high-gain integrator. This means we are making synergistic use of our assets and amplifying them. Figure 35 shows the new version of figure 34. So we see here a uh, feedback loop that has been added to the diagram. Now we can see the control loop which governs the reinvestment of funds. As usual, it is assumed that there already exists a basic plan that will generate this investment. What matters is that we should be able to monitor its performance so that the plan may be continuously adapted. There are two very important cybernetic notes to make about the situation now depicted. Firstly, because we are now considering a dynamic situation with appropriate feedback, the model is adequate for all stages of the new firm's growth. At the start, no feedback exists because no operation exists. It follows that the entire input capability must come from outside the system, just as was seen in the case of figure 34. Now the firm, still depicted as a high gain integrator, uh, operates on this input. That is, it performs the operation f of s, or f of, sorry, lowercase f of s. As uh, outputs in terms of cash flow mature, the reinvestment loop is activated in accordance with the plan made at the start. But what the model is now telling us very clearly is that any rigid plan, however well conceived, will not produce the goods unless it is continuously modified. That is because the operation lowercase f of s is subject to external perturbation, not shown in the diagram, as well as to the perturbation of its own basic input. And if we require a steady, or better still, an according-to-plan output, then a highly ingenious mechanism will be required on the feedback loop itself to modify correctly the error signals. This mechanism is shown in the box marked uppercase F of S, or capital F of S. It is precisely the corporate planning function of the enterprise. The second point may be understood from a recapitulation of the original discussion on feedback systems in chapter two. We saw there consult figure eight. So figure eight is page 34, uh, which is basically the same diagram, Uh, kind of, yes, yes, it's the same diagram, Uh, just flipped over without uh, two inputs. It's just one input. Um, How in a high gain situation, negative feedback comes to dominate the input signals. This is why the new diagram in figure, figure 35 does not have to be redrawn for a firm which is just starting, a firm which is gathering momentum, or for the mature business. The whole process is governed by the dynamics of the servo mechanism we have already drawn. At the start, nothing happens on the feedback loop. Everything is governed by the input I. In the second stage, the error signals processed through capital F of S begin to modify the uh, input via E. So this is, in, uh, this is in figure eight. We see the, the uh, or, or it's also in figure 35. Both of them have this. It's just uh, figure 35 doesn't have the I. Um, Much later, the perturbation of I ceases to matter at all Because the feedback itself is now dominant If we take these two points together We can see how the complex process of reinvestment in the business Conditions its survival Businessmen know about this very well Although it is often convenient for them to pretend they do not And to take a short-term view Secondly, the activity which represents the feedback transfer, capital F of S, is corporate planning. This is the very adjustment activity which modifies or continuously aborts the plan enshrined in the operation of I on F of S. Moreover, this so-called planning process is not at all a matter of sequentially aborting every plan which the management supposed itself to have underwritten. The statements in the last paragraph can be read as banal. Alternatively, they are explosive statements. Certainly, the world of business knows that reinvestment is necessary. And certainly, it knows that plans are subject to modification. So much for what is banal. Now, take a look at the dynamite. The image of the firm in the city, capital C City, so City of London, Uh, with the financial journalists, and hence with the shareholders, is settled in the main by the absolute value of the output. Comments may be passed on the extent to to which this output, if unfavorable, is, as a matter of fact, geared to long-term intentions, and this is an attempt to measure the effectiveness of the whole managerial control system." But it is easier for commentators to play down the importance of the company's long-term plans and to make snide and rather gastronomical comments about pie in the sky and jam tomorrow. It is also in the second place true that commentators will usually observe the process of reinvestment as a recognition of the need to, quote, plow back profits. But they know nothing of the intricate corporate planning processes going on in the box marked capital F of S. It would be amiable to say that this is because such information is one of the firm's best kept secrets. It would be more truthful to say that this corporate planning work is simply not being done. All right, any thoughts on this section? Uh, Shane and then Matt.
1: I love this. Yeah, this this whole fucking section is great, but like, I love this bit at the, the back here about this like lobotomized um, planning sort of thing, right? The, the plan probably isn't even there. Um, I did want to talk about the... It, it it's back a couple of pages now, but the, the thing about like system four has got to be there, um, even if it's diffuse and sort of um not terribly well integrated. i like really sort of weird experienced this directly when I worked for um a software development for a government agency where weirdly like some of the junior engineers ended up being the sort of like brains of the output in strange ways because the the sort of corporate planning stuff was so abysmally bad. And um, like one anecdote that sort of really illustrates this that like We're building up this huge new project and of course they want to do this integration testing thing so we're talking about like setting up a systems integration testing environment or sit or you know the the colloquial shorthand for this is SIT. the sit environment right is going to be set up and oh it'll be ready whenever and this sort of thing and uh you know myself and this other guy john were sort of in the loop on a lot of this stuff but why because we were junior engineers who seemed to know what they were doing i guess uh, people come to us and tell us things but one day, like, people kept coming over and being like, oh, you know, the SIT environment is going to be ready for Friday. And then somebody else would trundle over. And, like, these are, these are managers. These are fucking, like, way up there sort of people. They're like, oh, you know, and the, the, the SIT environment will be ready next Tuesday. And then John and I just l- turned to look at, it, at each other and we go, oh, catastrophe. There are two SIT environments. One of them is SIT and the other is CIT, and nobody else has spotted the difference. And so we were like, oh, quick, run. And, like, be like, J- you spell sit and he's like S I T and then go over to this okay you you spell it C I T you fucking people talk to each other quick because you you've all got your fucking wires crossed and you don't even realize it and it took two junior fucking dickhead engineers to, to figure this out. So the information this system for function eventually got integrated and the plan eventually got updated but it that happened very, very far away from where it should have happened. And it was kind of because the 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 colloquialisms in this weird sort of management environment had erased the variety of the thing that they didn't realize they were talking about two completely different things because they were so accustomed to like badgering on about these like these little shorthand things that the, they had some, somehow lobotomized their own planning function in such a way that it, it took two you know, absolute fucking geniuses at the back of the room to figure this out and and save the thing from disaster at the last moment. Um, just, just crazy how this, this shit can go down it, it takes like the janitor to figure out what the fuck the, the managers have gotten wrong
0: yeah that's a good example of the uh, AF uh, <laughs> the AF channel being activated <laughs> wait a second <laughs> okay Matt go ahead
5: is yeah, so, uh, literally a yes minister bit that, 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 that is so bizarre. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, uh what is up? Yeah, the the, the um, uh, I, I see the, the thing that resonated with everyone seemed to be the uh the, the lobotomized um organization one. Yeah, because the first thing I thought of when when they were talking about uh, when we said like you know um if there's no model in the uh, you know um uh, of of the firm uh in in the thing system for then you know uh, they have no idea what kind of business they're running. You know, I, I I've been running with them. Um, metaphor of like uh, VC firms and, uh, um, and uh, I guess private equity, to some degree, um, uh, being you know uh, kind of doing system four activities, and uh, you know private equity in retail has been doing like exactly that. You know, kind of having no idea like what kind of business that they're running. You know, re- um, uh, especially you know uh, Toys R Us is the um, uh, you know is kind of the iconic example where you know it just got you know like sh- pumped and dumped by uh, um, a private equity, but like uh, the, 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 that was intentional. So, yeah, you know, they, they didn't really need to know how the business worked because like they were just trying to you know like like sell the assets but like uh, it, it's even been happening unintentionally there's a big um uh, grocery store chain um uh, here in New York a uh, Fairway and uh, uh you know the the, the, the um uh, uh you know, private equity got its hooks in it and you know they they had declared bankruptcy on a bunch of stores and uh, um uh you know it, it, it also got their hooks in um in in um in hospitals like um you know part of why uh you know 20,000 we lost 20,000 beds in New York state over the past uh, tw- uh 20 years or so like is because you know the, these private equity firms like they, They just don't they they, they don't know or care what kind of businesses they're they're running
0: yeah and i mean i think that in a sense has to do also with uh system five right where it's like (laughs) the identity function of the firm it's like you have this this sort of new head that has been uh, that is placed onto the organism and it's like you know, the body thinks it's a an ape, but the head thinks it's a, uh, you know, like a falcon or something. Like it's it's like, <laughs> oh, no no, 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 we don't need to worry about that because uh, we're just not that kind of organism anymore. Uh, it's very weird uh, having, uh, you know, these these sort of like private equity firms that exist purely as profit harvesting, uh, organisms just kind of take bodies and, 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 uh, parasitize them.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, Shane, go ahead. It's almost like the perfect, um, like refinement of Cartesian dualism, right? Like where the mind activity is this like perfectly abstracted, just like cold, mechanical sort of logic that doesn't even think of itself as being embodied, and um, predictably runs the body it is attached to into the ground. Um, it's like I mean, like that stuff we discussed with the Capitalocene thing with ladies, the like capitalism and this like optical dualism stuff co-emerge as like parasitic on each other. They, they bootstrap themselves into existence off of each other, and it, it kind of gets to this perfect refinement in uh, in, in like. Uh, these 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 venture equity firms, or whatever the fuck they're called.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, it's very strange. Like the, the it's an organism that just exists to digest other <laughs> other organisms by taking over their identity function and their system for. Uh, but it, I guess it's at least good to be able to sort of like understand the physiology of how that works. Um, okay well we are at Time um, So next Time we're going to finish up this chapter uh, Next week and uh, Yeah uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it So thanks for uh, participating everybody Today good discussion obviously this is a Good chapter uh, you know One enjoyable to read And mm-hmm. uh, Look forward to finishing it off with this Sort of proto cybersyn next Week um, Indeed. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. It's been wonderful. All right. Bye, mate. Bye.